You're tuning in to the Black Hollywood Live Network, featuring news, interviews, and commentary on all things Black Hollywood. Hollywood redefined. From Los Angeles, California, presented by Maria Menounos and streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies. This is Black Hollywood Live, Fashion 411. Featuring the week's roundup of fashion news. Black Hollywood Live, Hollywood redefined. You're listening to Black Hollywood Live. And now, the host for Black Hollywood Live, Fashion 411. Fashion 411. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Where's the music? Get out of the music! All right! <laughs> tuning in right now it is friday and everybody you know what that means it's time for a little fashion 411 on black hollywood live Woo! yay yay it's the last <laughs> friday of the month oh my god and we actually have a full house everybody's yes! here we have a guest uh i want to remind you guys really quickly to make sure you download our show on itunes because of you we are the number one fashion podcast on itunes so Sorry, please what? keep that coming Rate us, make comments. You can also check us out on YouTube if you want to see what our pretty faces look like in the studio. But uh, let's just go around the room and let's introduce everyone. Yes. I'll go across the table. Well, hey guys, I am back. So excited to be back after being gone for a few weeks. And I'm your host, Erica Garcia Rojas. I am your go-to girl for all things business and fashion. I am the co-owner and founder of Raleigh Babe Apparel. What's up, everybody? I can't talk today. <laughs> oh, my God. It's because I just used my inhaler. Sorry, guys. What's up, everybody? I'm Courtney Stewart, and I am your everything girl. I'm the shopaholic, shoeaholic on the show, always giving you guys the consumer perspective. And I love your lipstick today. Thank you. Fabulous. I love it. It's Great lipstick today. Great. Thank, you. Thank yeah. you. And I am Dionne Vaughn. I'm your former New York City fashion person. Now I am here in L.A., and I'd like to think that I can bring you the runway to the real way. And we have a special guest in the studio today, and I'm so excited that he's here. Oh, yes. yes. We love it when men come and sit with us. It's a different vibe, right? ladies. So we have Jeffrey Ralph here with us, and this man is just, he's like opening up (laughs) a a fashion encyclopedia. Like, the knowledge this man has on all fronts about styling, about public relations, about buying. Just, you've you've been there, you've done it, and we are so happy to, to have you here. I am so happy to be here. Yeah. I'm so Welcome. excited and I am too as excited as you guys are to be around you beautiful women today. Yay. Thank you. Yes, Erica's all glowing from her Peru <laughs> I trip. Know. I'm jealous. <laughs> right. mm-hmm. Exactly. We so awesome. thank you. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. Yeah, and we actually, we brought Jeffrey here today because uh, as everyone knows April has been Earth Month and then we had Earth Day the other day so we just wanted to, you know end April with, with a bang and we wanted to, you know, really talk about green fashion, green design and, you know, really keep you guys informed of, of what's out there and how you can kind of contribute to the universe yes. and, and all that kind of good stuff uh, as it relates to fashion. So uh, first up, I've got a couple sustainable fashion trends 
uh, things that you can wear right now. And these are from Sustainable Designers. So if you guys are following along, and keep in mind, you can check us out on Instagram, BHLFashion411. Um, the first outfit, it's from a designer called Tabby Just. And uh, it's the designer, she's New York-based, and her name is Tabitha St. Bernard, and she practices a zero-waste design policy. So nothing, Ooh, n- nothing is, is, you know... Everything is used, basically. Zero waste. Nothing is wasted. Uh, and she has a sustainable line of women's wear clothing. It's made in Brooklyn, New York. And let's see here. It says, after Tabitha makes her apparel, minimalist pieces consisting of clean lines and cuts, plus bold colors and prints, described as having a Trinidadian vibe. And uh, the designer, Tabitha St. Bernard, she's actually, uh, she's an African-American woman, just in case you wanted to know. But this dress right here, it's called the Aisha Zero Wasted Dress. It's for $300. I am going to say something really quickly. I've noticed just researching a lot of these different green designer screen brands, and maybe you can, you know, debunk this. I noticed things are really expensive. Yeah, they yeah. are. Cost, it was just, I'm like, $300? You yeah. know what I mean? Things yeah. are really, really costly. And I guess, I mean, is that the cost we have to pay, you know, to, you know, wear, you know, fashion that's green and you know doing something for society but that's the one thing that i really really took notice of i'm like this is really expensive stuff but whatever um the next picture it's by a company it's called amore vert and what's really cool about this company um they say that every day is earth day and it's an eco-friendly fashion company they're based out of san francisco with every t-shirt that you buy from them they plant a tree which and they do this day in day out year round not just you know during the month of April but you you buy a t-shirt they plant a tree they use fabrics like organic cotton recycled polyester silk and linen and uh this t-shirt that's featured here it's a $78 v-neck t-shirt again on the pricey side but you know I'm glad that it's there. Trees aren't cheap. Exactly. No. Trees aren't <laughs> cheap. <laughs> They're just everywhere, right? Yeah. Um, and then uh, the picture below, it's this really cute organic uh, kind of asymmetric top. And it's called the Organic Napkin Pullover Top for $215. And it's from uh, a brand called Ethica.com. It was founded by uh, a sister team, Melissa and Carolina Cantor. And they were purveyors of beautiful ethical fashion. Uh, and you can find them online. And let's see here. Uh, who do I have next? Next picture. Okay, this cute little clutch bag is from Claire Vivier. And I've actually heard of Claire Vivier and shot from her before, and I didn't realize she was such a big mm-hmm. green, yeah. you know, sustainable Huge. person. But she's got really, really great stuff. Amazing. Leathers, yeah. nylons, a lot of really fun, cool prints. And a lot of her prints... Um, I don't want to call them knockoffs, but a lot of her prints remind me of other, you know, big name um, handbag lines. Kind of like, a, a, what's the line? I'm, I'm, anyway. Um, anyway. <laughs> great but mind, inspired by. Inspired by. Great minds think alike. Yes. And uh, what's pictured is a printed leather flat clutch for $105. Now, isn't that interesting? This leather clutch for $105 is cheaper than the t-shirt. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> all, all of her bags are produced locally in L.A. And she uses sustainable, you know, materials for everything that she makes. 
Next picture in the middle, this is a cuff bracelet from Natalie Frigo, and she is an ethical New York City-based jewelry designer, and her gemstones and all of her products, they're ethically sourced, and so that means that they're conflict-free, and they come from mines and ensure safe working conditions, living wages, and environmentally friendly practices. Her metals are all recycled and reclaimed, like these are the things that she uses, and this bracelet uh, is $375 cute though i like I'm it not mad. I'm not mad. and then uh finally the last picture um who would have thought that you could get eco-friendly sunglasses yeah. uh but, yeah but there's a line called warby parker and uh let's see here this brand has shot to fame in the past couple years with its stylish frames positive impact and low price point so they're the only eyewear company to be carbon neutral and each pair of glasses you buy goes to someone in need so uh which Super cool. You know, kind of like a, a Tom's type deal. You know, every shoe that mm-hmm. is purchased, someone else gets a pair of shoes. But who would have thought with sunglasses? I, awesome. I was actually surprised to see that. So that was that was really nice. Mm. These sunglasses are $95, which I think that's bad. reasonable. Yeah. Yep. yeah, especially when you're giving back. So those are a couple sustainable fashion trends, things that you can wear now, run out and buy, you know, if you want to kind of contribute mm-hmm. to uh, the greenness of the world. I, I have a, So I want to know from you, Jeffrey, what is your take on the whole this whole trend? Well, you know, um, I was going to chime in when um, Deanna mentioned how things that are green and eco-friendly are expensive Mm -hmm. or or a bit pricier. And that's simply because everything is locally made, locally sourced. You know, uh, the environments that and the conditions are a, a lot different than what we know maybe in, I mean, you know, places like China or Mm -hmm. or Bangladesh, you know. Mm -hmm. And so with that said, you know, you pay for that type of consciousness and creating that because you know that you're you're creating something that's wonderful, wonderfully made, and of course, you know the environment that it's made in is is a, is a great environment. You know, people are being paid. Mm-hmm. You're creating jobs for people. So I feel like the pricing is very good. But you know, what's really interesting is that I'm from Chicago, and I knew nothing about the the eco friendly community until I moved to Los Angeles. Oh. Exactly. And so, but I've it's been a really interesting um, lesson, and the designers that I've met and come across are absolutely phenomenal, you know, and it just really is a consciousness. I mean, Mm -hmm. I feel like, you know, I I hate that it's become so trendy. I mean, that's, and I hate that word, you know, but, but I mean, but, but at the same time, I mean, if, if trend is what makes people conscious of it and hopefully they buy into it, not just because of the trend factor, just because of, you know, our environmental factors and that it's actually saving lives within Mm -hmm. its sustainable factor, then I think it's fantastic. And I think yeah. it's important just for consumers to be educated so they can understand why you're paying so much more. Just Absolutely. like you said, you know, mm-hmm. that you're, you know, people are getting fair wages and, you know, things are being sourced locally. I think as long as a consumer, like, you have to teach people that. Absolutely. It's kind of like healthy eating. You yes. know what I mean? Just mm-hmm. people don't want to buy organic or, you know, eat healthier because it's cheaper and, mm-hmm. you know, easier, convenient to go to McDonald's, you know? Mm-hmm. So. I have to play a little bit of the devil's advocate. Not that I don't think that sustainable sustainable fashion is a great thing. I think it's wonderful. Do I think it's going to be really part of the mainstream and is it more than just a trend? Like I think it's a trend to stay, but I don't necessarily see it growing to the point where the majority of our items or most of our items are going to be sustainable. I think it's it's still like you said Diana, more about like the consumer buying into that. Mm-hmm. And uh you know, for me as 
a manufacturer as a clothing line owner. We did try to go that route. Mm-hmm. It was really difficult. I mean, it was it was tough. I mean, the, the price points are higher. Mm-hmm. And when you're competing against Nike and Reebok, because we do license apparel for women mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. NCAA or mm-hmm. um, NBA and things mm-hmm. like that. And when you're competing against that, mm-hmm. it's great to say it and all that. But at the end of the day, like... It's our other things sold way more mm-hmm. because of the mm-hmm. price point. It looked pretty much the same. It felt the same. Mm-hmm. It was just less expensive mm-hmm. because of the whole, you know, sustainable thing. Yeah. And we sold a lot more, so we don't do it anymore. Mm-hmm. We don't do the. We had an organic line, actually. We don't oh, do it wow. anymore. Yeah. Well, I would like to think that. I mean, obviously, because it's still in the early stages. I think that it's interesting that the trend, so to speak, has grown in this time period. Yes. Just because we are in a very significant time period, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Mm-hmm. In terms of how we view economies and how our economy is changing and socially how that's affecting everybody and people's views of what is possible and how what money really means and what it will become, I think, is shifting. Mm -hmm. So whereas right now we're still in that place where obviously big business like Nike Mm -hmm. and all of them can produce in Bangladesh and give us whatever and do whatever and Mm -hmm. everybody accepts that. I do think that our generations coming up are getting more information about what's going on and the idea that money and how what we do to the environment is slowly becoming more important. Mm -hmm. And similar to the idea that now I think Walmart just said that they are going to start carrying organic meats that are a little bit more accessible Mm -hmm. to. And I mean, I'm sure on some level they've cut a corner somewhere because they have to whatever, but... That's still a large movement. Like, if Walmart starts to Mm. carry organic food Mm. and organic meat, like, that's a movement in a direction that one day, hopefully, maybe in, you know, five to ten years fashion, we'll also Mm -hmm. be able to make those larger steps. Well, it's it's almost like, too, where I love that you said that because I was going to go in that direction and back to what Eric was saying. You know, it's like H&M just did a a line of uh, conscious eco-clothing as well, you know, which, of course... Conscious collection. Yes, a conscious collection, which brings it to the masses, which Mm -hmm. we love that a lot, but... I say this, you know, when you talk about the big boys like the Nikes and the Reeboks or the Coca-Colas, like, you know, Pharrell has the, uh, is creating the new friendly, the new eco-friendly line with Adidas mm-hmm. and then, um, you know, Will I Am and Coca-Cola. And I say, like, if they use the power of those celebrities to capitalize on it, but also at the same time bring it to the forefront to educate, you know, those consumers of what it really is, that means that they'll pay attention to it and I feel like in other ways mm-hmm. and hopefully kind of make their own king choices and decisions were like, oh, this is why this is like this, Mm -hmm. you know, outside of just those particular brands, but looking for other brands because of the same reason, too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of it for large companies, especially, is a marketing thing, because Mm -hmm. H&M's Conscious Collection, I've actually talked to different people there about it, and they said it's there because it looks good, it looks good for the line, but it actually really doesn't sell well. Mm, And and same thing with, like, you know... um, the the collaboration you were just talking about it's great mm-hmm. and I think it's In wonderful theory. to bring everything into the consciousness I, but I think at the end of the day with businesses it's all about dollars and cents mm-hmm. and it looks good to have mm-hmm. an eco friendly mm-hmm. department or division or to some kind of campaign it. Yes, to represent it. Yes. Is it you know is it gonna is that what the direction this comp- particular company is going to go in full force no but you know there's good and bad to all mm-hmm. of it so I think it's good that it's being bringing consciousness yes. to, to everything. So. It's it's up to the everyone else to kind yes. of catch up. Yes. yes. So, mm-hmm. Or just have the social responsibility. All right. So what's what's going on in the style scoop? All what's right. What's the fa- headlines? Up. Okay. So we've got our weekly style scoop for you. And first up is People Magazine's 50th Most Beautiful 
people issue was out this week, and they named Oscar award-winning media darling Lupita Nyong'o for the most beautiful for the cover. Also known as Courtney's friend in her head. Uh, she her. <laughs> we touched, but she couldn't talk to me because they dragged her into the award ceremony. But we were right there. We were right there. Lupita. I didn't realize she was 31. Yes. Yeah, yeah, she's young. She looks a lot younger. But um, she was, you know, the most beautiful star. Other celebrities bestowed the most beautiful title this year in the magazine include Mindy Kaling, 41-year-old Gabrielle Union. I didn't know she was 41. Mm-hmm. Uh, she? Oh, 41. Yeah, Carrie Russell, 37-year-old Carrie Washington, and 40-year-old Molly Sims, the singer Pink, and Stacey Keebler. Yeah, it's a cool magazine this time around. That layout is good. Yeah. Because they had like 35 and naked or something and like pink and all these like women just naked and 35. I was like, get it. That's always my. That's actually really. I'll be honest. The only People magazine issue that I ever read is this one. Yeah, Yeah, I like this one. Yeah, yeah, and just encourage people to actually buy the magazine because being that a chocolate lady is on the cover, that is an excuse for them to be like, "Well, see, it didn't sell." And yeah, agreed. It's a good point. So buy the magazine. It's It's like three bucks. It's Lapita. I think it'll sell. It's three bucks. Go buy the magazine. All right, so up next, we've got the, speaking of magazine covers, the American Society of Magazine Editors has revealed its nominees for its eighth annual Best Cover Contest and include the Polka Dot George Clooney W cover. And for those of you listening to us on iTunes, make sure that you go to Instagram and follow us on BHL Fashion 411, or you can go to YouTube and check us out there, and you can see the picture of the W cover with George Clooney. Also, the other uh, nominated cover was Vanity Fair's centennial issue with Kate Upton, who is in full Marilyn Monroe getup, and uh, the other... Nominee was that Oprah Winfrey big hair issue that we talked about oh, a few yeah. months back, yeah. and the winner is going to be announced next week. So well, Clooney looks real good on that cover. Amazing, yeah. Yeah. all were great. <laughs> Liking the older, the older men. Oh, huh? he's, he's. I mean, he's, he's ageless. timeless. Yeah. Yes, he's just ageless. Did, did you say Peter Gabriel? No. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no, well, he was giving me like a little, a little throwback Peter Gray. I, 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 I didn't know. know. That cover. But when you, I was like, did you that was subliminal messaging. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but he, you are right. You right. Are so he right. does look very timeless. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes, oh, yes. I love the Kate Upton. The Kate Upton was beautiful. Gorgeous. All right, so Vogue.com is getting a makeover. The uh, popular magazine title is looking to expand its website and is building up its staff with new hires and current employees who will move from print to the web. Mm. They just recently hired about half a dozen people specifically for the online magazine, and it's rumored that Anna Wintour is looking to build a team of 20, according to Women's World Daily. So I have a question about this. Do you guys spend time on the websites for popular magazines like... Vogue or Elle or Lore. I find myself more on blogs than I do the magazine uh, websites. And it's funny that, I mean, it was inevitable that this was going to happen because magazine sales, you know, newsstand sales have been down for a long time. So it's only, you know, this makes sense. But no, I don't find myself. Mm -mm. Ever. No. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, I have to say, 
being in the fashion industry. <laughs> <laughs> that style.com, which is Vogue. That's true. Of true. course, true. you know, is, is definitely um, the new Bible. I mean, mm-hmm. you go to it for references. It houses every collection. I must say that when I'm uh, viewing the collections uh, from Milan and Paris and London, L.com, mm-hmm. amazing. They're phenomenal. Like, their videos from the recap of the collections go up almost instantly. Um, and their content and their coverage is really fantastic. So L definitely, and this is one of the ones that we read a lot too, which is um, which is style.com. Of course, this is Vogue.com. Yes. Um, and I must say, we don't go to Vogue.com as much, mm-hmm. but style.com is still the Vogue um, mm-hmm. website. Do you yes. find that like the online information has replaced magazines? Um, absolutely. I mean, right now, particularly because you know um, our company is a PR company. Um, our outreach for uh, digital placements is as um, important um, and as structured as our print outreach because mm-hmm. it's valuable. And, and um, it's immediate gratification mm-hmm. because um, where the print um, outreach is, if something is going to run in a magazine, takes about four months to run and it's shot four months in advance. The digital um, content can go up within like... I would say four to six weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and clients love that. Is there wow. any like noticeable demographic change between the online viewers versus the magazine viewers that you're aware of? I would definitely say that, um, particularly because we most of our interns in our office are in their 20s, mm-hmm. and you tell them to use this as a reference. And so, I do feel like because the younger generation or the generations in their 20s is always online, then I think it's natural that those who are interested in fashion are going to read these kind of traditional top-tier publications online opposed to print. But there's nothing like a magazine. I know. I, know. I, know. Like, I can't give up my magazine. I love magazines. Yeah, that yeah. always makes me think of Sex in the City, and it's an episode where Carrie's like, I- I've-, I've got this strange behavior. I don't know. It's weird, but I like to sit. I like to stand in the kitchen yes. with a stack of saltines and jelly, and I look at my magazines. Like, yes. I always think about that, you know, with magazines. But, yeah, nothing that replaces a magazine. No, no. I love the magazine. All right, so, well, speaking of bloggers and online, New York Magazine writer Robin Given wrote an interesting piece this week declaring the golden age of fashion blogging over. Her hypothesis is that the -the up-to-the-minute insider views offered by bloggers are now being dispensed by true industry insiders, such as editor-in-chiefs of magazines and creative Hmm. directors. She says, quote, the same intimate tone, once unique to bloggers, can now be found in the Twitter feeds of print folks such as Eva Chen, Derek Blasberg, and Mickey Boardman. They live blog while at the shows, while zipping through airports, while touring art exhibitions, and while vacationing. The distance between the establishment and fashion once dazzling revolutionaries has narrowed, and there is minimal distinction between them. Editor of the popular Fashion Bomb Daily blog retaliated against this hypothesis, saying that the fashion industry is not just about seats at fashion shows. No, she says, agreed. quote, it's not all about positioning, backstage designer interviews, and huge conglomerates. It's about commerce and translating trends, which can all be viewed online to the masses. Bloggers interface for, with their audience in ways a traditional editor cannot, because bloggers are largely unfiltered and unedited. They're more reliable. The friends in your head who give 
give you the scoop. Perhaps the golden era of fashion bloggers storming the shows and front rows is on the wane, but the power and influence of these digital innovators is far from over. Agreed. I agree. Yeah. Agree a thousand yeah. percent. Yeah. Absolutely. Time, you know? I, I was thinking that exact same thing as you was reading. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I think what happens is that the bloggers have become um, much more glamorized than the editors, yes. you know, and so I think that they want that back. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, just like anything else, you know, when industry obviously denounces something, ultimately at some point it will be denounced. denounced. Yes, mm -hmm. exactly. Mm -hmm. But I mean, as I just mentioned before, um, the bloggers approach to fashion is completely different. They're not competing with fashion editors, but secretly editors look at them to see what it is that they're writing about because we can um, come across new cool brands on blogs and we can't come across them in magazines because yep. those um, brands that they run in those editorials have to be brands that's advertising with them. Mm -hmm. I mean, pretty much 70% of the content are is advertiser content and then the other 30% is a very limited amount of things that they can kind of... You know, mm -hmm. And I think that's right why blogs became so popular to begin with, because mm -hmm. they're unearthing these new brands and exciting brands and smaller brands <laughs> and items and things that are not necessarily present right. in these big corporate magazines. Mm -hmm. So it's like a difference between corporate and, you know, the little guy. The voice yeah. is completely different. Yeah, the voice different. of the people. And so yes. it's, uh, it's, it's totally different. Yeah. And it's so much more relatable for the average everyday person. Mm -hmm. yes. You know what I mean? Because they're covering street style and they're covering mm -hmm. style from where they live, whether it's L.A. or Atlanta or, you know, Miami. So it just, yeah, it's for the people. Yeah. Yep. I don't see that And dying. they are the people. Like, yeah. They're the yeah. ones yeah. buying it and doing the same right. thing. Yeah. So Absolutely. the relatability factor will never be destroyed by Absolutely. Well, and not to mention the fact that the, the apparel companies are actually creating budgets and have been creating budgets for the last few years too to um, spend their marketing dollars on bloggers. Yeah. So, I mean, when, when that happens and you're talking about commerce, like, bloggers have really become valuable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, businesses. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It'll be sure. interesting to watch that tension continue to grow. Because mm -hmm. their argument reading about the editors, that first part, I'm like, yeah, kind of, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And as they continue to build their side of it, to the tension between them and the bloggers and how that's all going to work itself out will be really I think that's what it'll happen. I think what'll happen is that those editors themselves will become bloggers. So they'll take on that persona mm -hmm. in their own, maybe not in their own time, but mm -hmm. almost like, here's this is my personal blog. This is right. what I mm -hmm. wear. That they'll hire of, some intern yeah. to do. Yeah. Yeah. Let's be real. themselves <laughs> yeah. as that yeah. mm -hmm. celeb not, not celebrity, but like that blogger type person. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I see that fine line kind of, that line you know, pretty fine there. So, well, I think the other thing too is that I, I just think that magazines have to think about their well top tier publications. Let's mm -hmm. say that because there are a lot of great, um, you know, uh, fresh kind of alternative publications, fashion publications. But when we're talking about the Vogue's and the Ales and Bazaars of the world, I do think that they have to rethink their approach to reporting fashion, mm -hmm. and I mm -hmm. do feel like they have to start to look a bit more emerging. And when they say they introduce new brands, I mean they do like the CFDA. It's all about finding new yeah. designers, new brands, but it's not enough. Yeah. You know, and people want, people are thirsty for new brands and new mm -hmm. designers mm -hmm. and what's kind of cool. You know, unfortunately, a lot of young people aren't that enthralled with Prada. I love Prada. I'm yes. just saying that they were like, okay, and it's completely out of the reach. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's almost like, I don't know if that reflects everybody's lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
All right, so last but not least, popular British high street brand Primark <coughs> is coming to the States. The retailer announced plans to open its first U.S. flagship in Boston's downtown crossing district in the Burnham Building. It will open doors in late 2015 with plans to expand its reach to more locations in the Northeast, in the Northeast through mid-2016. It is a little surprising that they chose to open up their first shop in Boston. New York City tends to be the it landing for European brands looking to emerge to the states there are just more people tourists and it happens to be an official capital of the world in new york but so but they decide on boston interesting so, according to women's world daily <laughs> have any of you ever heard of primark yeah i, uh-huh. I wasn't too familiar yeah. with them i think it's owned by marks and spencer i, I think um, i'm not sure but like that's a really big like marks and spencer is like macy's is here over mm, there got it's it. a big company i actually just became aware of primark maybe like i don't know Year, year and a half ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know the backstory, yes. but yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, if you want to go check them out, they're in Boston. Yes. In the Boston. All right. So I think it's time to get to know our guest, Mr. Yes. Ralph. Yes. So <laughs> tell us all about yourself. Oh, oh my God. Where do you dude. start? <laughs> On the spot. Yes. I like it. I like yeah. it. Well, once again, thank you so much for having me here today. Of course. I'm so excited uh, <laughs> being here. I became aware of your program. I watched it. Oh, so nice. I saw you guys before I even came oh, here. Nice. <laughs> he did his I, homework. And I was just like, what is this? <laughs> I was like, this is great. You know, literally, and such an amazing platform. For sure. Completely the missing link. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I hope Amen. that there will be a lot more of this. Mm-hmm. So thank you, Maria. Maria. Oh, yes. Uh-huh. Thank you. Love that to death. But um, I am a fashion publicist. And um, I uh, started working in this business, I say officially, about 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. Although I was working in it before then, but you know, it wasn't like official. (laughs) 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 You know, and and, and within my... um, Within my um, my whirlwind of experience, uh, those 15 years have actually been in Los Angeles. Oh, wow. I'm Chicago. I'm a Chicago native. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Are you from Chicago? No, but I went to school there. Oh, okay. I was great to say, hey, Shaitan. I'm from Atlanta, so, but yeah. Right. So I'm a Chicago native, and I went to college in New York. And uh, after finishing college in New York, I was interning at a magazine called Sportswear International. And um, New York pretty much changed my life. It really um, brought to the forefront everything that I had been reading about fashion since I was like in eighth grade. Because <laughs> believe it or not, I've been reading fashion magazines since I was in eighth grade. Wow. Mm-hmm. So at recess, it was me wow. and about like, you know, six other like fashionable kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we were all just exchanging magazines. Oh, and, you it. know, when interview was like um, newspaper print, when details had more of an interview format. People don't know about that. (laughs) They don't. When Taxi Fashion Magazine existed, it was like, you know, it was really, it was good. And it it really inspired me a lot. And then I moved to New York years and years and years later after finishing um, an undergraduate's degree in business in Chicago first and then going on to Pratt. And I'm like at my first Paris Couture fashion show. Mm. Um, I don't tell a lot of people this story. And I was sitting behind... Valentino. Wow. Yes. And Calvin Klein was sitting behind me. And no, I see behind Andre, you. Behind wow. me. And I see Andre Leon Talley. Oh, wow. You know, exactly. And it was just amazing. And I met this guy named Kermit Alexander King on Kermit, campus. I, I know. Phenomenal. Hey, Kermit, if you're out there somewhere. <laughs> and um, he, he was really an amazing artist um, when we were in um, high school. 
and um, I mean high school, college, and I went to the Paris Couture show with him, and he knew everyone. I mean, like literally, and he was pointing out everyone to me, and this is everyone I had been reading about since I was in eighth grade. Oh, wow. So yeah, so it influenced me a lot, you know. But um, you know, I pretty much I would say probably got my start in fashion by moving to New York, um, by interning, as we know is really important. Oh, yeah. Uh huh. But these days, uh, these interns want to get paid. Yes, they do. And I'm just like, for what? <laughs> Well, wasn't the interns, they just won a lawsuit against uh, Conde Nast. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, you know what's really interesting, though? But it's it's not about you getting my coffee. See, I think that's the Agreed. difference between yeah. corporate internships yeah. and really kind of like small boutique firmed internships. Mm-hmm. Because when you come in, you kind of learn what we do. And, you know, you you work more within an associate's capacity because mm-hmm. I don't need people to get my Starbucks. I can get up and walk across the street and get them myself. Yeah. So, But I feel like if, if interns think that they and feel that they are learning. Yes. They're getting not, something out yes, of it. Yes, yeah. getting something out of it, yeah. right? When they leave, they're going to be more valuable. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, then it's, it's fantastic, you know, because we have things that come across our desk all of the time, people looking for, you know, people to fill different positions. Mm-hmm. And if I feel like you've performed thoroughly, you know, are you were with us, then I'm going to refer you. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I feel like that's kind of the name of the game. It's all about context too in the fashion industry. Oh yeah, absolutely. And as an inter- that's how, I mean, as Raleigh Babe got started, my, my sister and I launched it. My mm-hmm. sister was an intern, yes. in downtown LA, you mm-hmm. know, in a fashion line, and that's mm-hmm. kind of how we got a lot of our contacts was through her internship. Eventually, absolutely. she was hired on, yes. and paid, exactly. but it started off as an internship. That's the point, and mm-hmm. we bring our interns back and we hire them for freelance projects. Yeah, because that's, that's how it's supposed to be. So tell us about the many different roles that you've had in mm-hmm. this. Fabulous fashion industry. And this fashion industry, well, um, you know, moving back to uh, Chicago from New York, I did Wendell's. You know, I worked in um, Wendell display for luxury brands like Ascada and Gucci and Bendel's when when Andre Bendel's actually <laughs> sold clothing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. in the 90s, so it's fantastic. And um, that really led to a world of... Um, possibly wanting to be a stylist. Mind you, I had just finished, uh, like, a year internship at Sportswear International working as, like, a junior fashion editor. So um, that styling world opened up to me when I was in New York, and I just kind of um, transitioned from the print styling to doing it for Wendell's. Mm -hmm. And so that was kind of, I feel like, my first entree into um, me really getting on this path of what am I going to do in the industry? Mm. Um, I just finished recently telling Deanna the story a little earlier that um, while I was doing Windows, I um, applied for a job as like a wardrobe supervisor for the for the um, the Buddy Holly story that mm. was coming from Germany to Chicago, mm. and um, I met the costume designer because he had to fly in to set it, and I oversaw it when he left. And I just asked him, you know, 21 questions, like 50 cents. And, <laughs> and, and he answered them. And pretty soon I thought, like, you know what? This guy is like a stylist. Like, I, I can do what he does. I'm like, you know what? Did you make all of this? And he explained, no, some was purchased. Some was pulled from a costume house. Some was built, meaning made. And I'm like, you know, I kind of do that. I kind of do that now, you know? And when he told me that he made tons of money doing it, in Los Angeles, the next year I moved to LA. Yeah. <laughs> and in 2000, I got here. Well, late 99, early 2000. It was like um, the pretty much the end of 99. And I've been here ever since. But me coming here was about being a costume designer because I thought that that's really what I wanted to do. And I did do that. And, you know, um, in order to make a living while I was pursuing my 
career as being a costume designer and interning for free until I got paid jobs, of course. Mm -hmm. Um, I worked as a uh, women's account executive for a couple of women's sportswear companies, a men's sportswear company, doing the trade shows, opening accounts at Mm -hmm. retail, that type of thing. And um, about three years later, after being here for about three years, and I really, I created a reel. I had the costume reel. It was happening. But I wasn't loving it. Mm-hmm. I wasn't in love. I liked it, but I wasn't in love with it. Mm-hmm. And so I stepped away from it and just focused on the account executive thing. But then I started getting calls and people asking me if I could style music videos, if I could style a celebrity, if I could go shopping and pull clothes, if I could do you know wardrobe for models for a, a, um, and a music award show. And I just kept saying, yes, 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 yes. And before I knew it, I would probably say about a year later, I was making as much money styling as I was being an account executive mm-hmm. and so I stepped away from being an account executive and just really focused on being a stylist mm-hmm. and so I was a stylist for about seven years straight you know and it was fantastic you know about six six years about six seven years it was really fantastic but you know once again as you are I think um, trailing down that path and following your gut instinct you know, it starts to open other things up to you, you know, as, mm-hmm. you know, Rachel Zoe is a fashion designer now. Mm-hmm. And you see so many people, you know, um, Adriana, um, um, you know, um, Adriana uh, Lima, who obviously is a model, is obviously now doing, you know, uh, her own collection of clothes. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you find these other routes that you want to take. And PR became a bit fascinating to me because I'm a salesperson by nature. I've always sold things, you know, selling myself, you know, being the account executive. My very first job uh, in fashion when I was in high school was at a men's clothing store. Mm -hmm. So I had this really great sales background, Mm -hmm. and I wanted to know what are all these girls doing sitting in this office all day (laughs) when I was going to pull clothes? Why are they on the phones, and why are they in front of their computers all day long? Like, Mm -hmm. what the hell are they doing? And I became really good friends with um, uh, one of the PR company owners. And I started looking up PR, like what was it exactly, and realized that I had a lot of the skill sets. I had a lot of the skill sets, particularly working with designers from the, from the styling standpoint. The designers, when we would do uh, style their collections for Mercedes-Benz Fashion Week in L.A., when L.A. did have a Mercedes-Benz Fashion Week, yeah. IMG, um, then they would ask if we could produce their shows for them as well. And when I say we, I had like two interns working for me. No, I had an assistant and an intern. So can you guys actually produce our fashion shows for us? Can you oversee our guest list for us? So we started to do that. And, you know, that definitely is um, a, one of the big things that PR companies do is oversee the fashion shows. So when I actually did my research, I realized that I had a lot of the skill sets and just pretty much decided to open a PR company. And that's, How long ago was that? That was seven years ago. Oh, wow. So okay, my so you've PR been doing company, this for a while. Yeah, yeah. My, my PR company became seven years old January this year. Oh, congratulations. congratulations. Happy anniversary. Thank you. <laughs> so I was really excited about that. And so, um, you know, what's really interesting is that my PR company took on the face of um, who I was as a stylist, which is working on developing emerging brands. Mm. So that's really what we do, is we develop a lot of emerging brands. We launch a lot of brands, and it's been really good for me, and I really like it a lot. And we are currently working on restructuring um, our business and just expanding it to doing a couple of other things I can't talk about right now. Yeah. (laughs) So I know... 
green is the new black. Uh-huh. That is just your thing. And I know that you're very passionate about green designers mm-hmm. and who's out there. So talk to talk to us about, um, I think you had Annie and Jade. Yeah, Annie and Jade is one of our lines. Well, I must say, hey, Annie, <laughs> if you're watching this, look. Um, you know what's really interesting about green is that, once again, I didn't really know about it until I moved here. One of the designers that I worked with for many years, her name is Deborah Lindquist, um, but I worked with her not in a PR capacity, but more in a designer image brand building capacity, uh, styled her collections for Fashion Week. And, um, you know, her, her, her story is really amazing to me. You know, someone who can actually make a living um, selling and cutting recycled cashmere. Yeah. Wow. I mean, phenomenal. Wow. She was she was really amazing. So she opened the green world up to me, and that's when I became aware of it. Fast forward to um, Annie and Jade, who is one of our clients, is an amazing, sustainable, green, equal designer. And we came across Annie about two years ago when we were doing fashion shows for the California Market Center. Mm-hmm. Uh, California Market Center is one of our clients, and we produced um, their focus um, emerging uh, designer trade show. And she was one of the um, designers that we worked with, and we loved her cuts. We thought she was really onto something amazing because... You know what you what you miss a lot in the world of green is a much more contemporary perspective. Mm-hmm. Yes, you know, yeah. and so um, Annie, like John Patrick out of out of New York, and like U- Udon, which is um, Bono's line, mm-hmm. um, out of New York all have this really amazing contemporary perspective. You're starting to see it a bit more now, but when I was working with Deborah, it was very, as they would say, kind of. Granola, oh. uh, yeah, kind of yeah. tree hugging, yeah. Yeah. exactly right. Yeah. And so, uh, mm-hmm. and so, the stylists have really been loving um, her brand, and mm-hmm. she cuts for real women because she's a real woman. You know, Annie is probably like a very curvy eight, eight, ten. I think okay. she's a 10. Mm-hmm. T- I hope Annie. I'm not, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not trying to make you bigger. I, I just think it's, you know, but uh, gorgeous. And so she says she wants real women to be able to wear her clothes, of course. Mm-hmm. And so we've had stylists and their clients start to really love the brand. Like Aisha Tyler asked for some custom pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, Maya just finished wearing something on her KTLA interview. Mm-hmm. Uh, Aaron Westbrook from Glee um, chose something that was really phenomenal for her. It's pretty stuff. Uh, uh, yeah. Gorgeous, right? Yeah. I've already yeah. seen three things at once. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm good, right? Exactly. <laughs> but you really, you really hit on something because I think that is what the the perception is about green sure. clothing is that it's not contemporary, it's yeah. not modern, it's not cool, and it's not luxe. Yeah, it's, and it's not luxury. Well, yeah. You know, you have this image in your mind that it's just you know it's a t shirt well, made yeah. out of hemp or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yes. So you make a good point about that. And so as you see, like on the left here, you have an image from Annie's Spring 2014 oh lookbook. Oh my god, I want. <laughs> I want that. Annie, you heard that, didn't you? Right. And I then on the right, Maya has the same romper on, but oh in God, the turquoise color. Oh, yeah, uh huh. And she loved the line. We were so excited that she really loved it. Um, because, you know, Maya's a, a small girl, but she got a little junk. She got some, <laughs> she got some, she good, got some new Her, junk, her like... junk look good, though. Yeah. Her junk is tight, you know? <laughs> and so she said that she really loves rompers. Junk. Yeah, that dancer junk exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's fantastic. And um, oh, this, is, mm-hmm, this is um, Aaron Gorgeous. Westbrook from Glee. That's uh-huh. beautiful. And uh, Annie's sheer paneled insert um, 
dress, oh which is so funny because Sheer Panels uh, was trending today on Yahoo. Yeah. So yes. Did I, you see that? I'm curious, and we talked about this a little bit earlier mm -hmm. about the price. Mm -hmm. How much would is that romper retail? That romper retails, I think, for about two ninety five. Yeah. Yes, okay. exactly. Mm -hmm. What's what's the material on it? Um, it's silk. It, or? It, it's silk. Yes, okay. it is. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And um, this is a jersey. That's uh, gorgeous. Uh -huh, which so is wonderful. Pretty. And when I tell you it feels featherweight like Lights. nothing, yes. it feels like nothing. And so the stylist came, pulled it, and said that Erin loved the dress. Mm -hmm. And we were like, good. Yeah, <laughs> good. Right, right. And you know, when they shoot something, there's no guarantee that it's going to run. Yeah. So I never, we, ne I really work on not telling the client when something's shot mm -hmm. until we know for sure That's that it's going to be out. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So um, when it came out, we were so excited because she looks so great in it. Yeah. So, um, and we have a lot of listeners that have different type of fashion interests mm -hmm. and you know you you told your whole story now mm -hmm. you're doing PR mm -hmm. maybe give an idea of how when you maybe first how you find a client or how they find you and mm -hmm. then and then how you work with them like what kind of your processes and in, in working with them or your services what you do is it just fashion shows is it magazines is it this it sounds like you just do so much mm -hmm. well um, well it's it's much but it's much within the capacity of PR mm -hmm. you know um, but you know I actually go first on name like, if the name doesn't turn me on, I don't even really bother to look at the brand. Mm. Be because the name is really everything. Yeah. Wow. You have to think about it. It's the first thing that the editors see, the first thing that the bloggers see, the first thing that the stylist sees. And so it has to kind of uh, create somewhat of an emotion, and it has to kind of come across cool. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel like the name Annie and Jade is a very cool, cool, yeah. cool name. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's accessible. I think we might know somebody named Annie, mm -hmm. and we might know somebody named Jade. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> there's something very personal but right yeah. or both right and so there's something very personal about that so I go on name first and if I like the name then I look at the collection mm -hmm. and I think about the collection in terms uh, of its uh, friendliness to stylists to editors and now to bloggers mm -hmm. um, because it has to be quite that friendly and mm -hmm. it has to be able to I think be um, diverse within its placements uh, this is Nadine Ellis from oh. Let's Stay Together Wearing Annie's um, great. Uh, 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 right, her organic wool dress here on the left, wow. and then her sleeveless silk cardigan on the right. Mm, mm -hmm. So pretty, really gorgeous, right? Um, oh, love that. That's Alexa Vega wearing the the uh, organic cotton moto jacket. Mm. That jacket is amazing, by the way. You know, which is fantastic. And um, oh, and that's Victoria. Pla you know, she's in that new television show, Star Crossed. Yes, amazing new CW show. Mm -hmm. It's great. Mm -hmm. And um, she's one of the actors. I think she's like their professor or their teacher in the show. And she's in a lot of the episodes, too, because we looked it up. Oh, <laughs> so, you know, you know, some people's like, oh, I'm in this show. And it's like an episode. Like an episode. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But uh, that's Annie and Jade's um, cross um, backless um, dress. So how do you find some of these brands you're, you're working with? Do, do they find so you man. or do you find them? Uh, it's, it's, it's really more us sourcing them out but we will get occasional um, requests mm -hmm. uh, word of mouth so I would probably say 70% of, of us sourcing out 30% um, people have found us mm -hmm. or they've heard about us from someplace else yeah. but you know I um, am always online late at night mm -hmm. seeing what's going on yeah. just resourcing and then we go to um, the magic trade show in yeah. Las Vegas and we just walk the show 
-hmm. We just walk to show to see if there's something that we like and that we're interested in. How important is for brands social media, Instagram, Facebook, mm -hmm. Twitter? Is that just as important as magazines, celebrities? I mean, how does that fit in with your whole philosophy on PR? Yeah, it's really, really important. I'll tell you what uh, Annie and Jade's showroom just told her. This is. Um, the T. Smith and Company showroom. Amazing showroom. Tammy Smith, she's wonderful. Mm -hmm. Hey, Tammy. <laughs> um, but she told uh, Annie that if uh, uh, Nordstrom's is looking at your brand, they want you to have uh, at least a thousand followers on all of your social media. Oh, that's yeah, good. at least I think uh, to yeah. even that's to minimum even, right to even be considered. But you mm -hmm. know what's really interesting about that is I, I do find that social media, as we know, is extremely, extremely important. Mm -hmm. But I think at the end of the day, you know, um, I think your sellability, um, people um, expect you to have your own value if they buy into mm -hmm. you yeah. because you d you do kind of have to work for them. Yeah. You know, you bring your fan base to them. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, that's what it is, where people really worked in the past, you know, to help to create the brand, to create the visibility, to create the buzz. It's not like that. It's all on you now. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, exactly. It's so true. with that said, it is very, very important. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Social yeah. media has kind of become like your resume. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's everything. And if you don't have numbers and people even don't even want to talk yeah. to you. Mm -hmm. it's, no. no. Yeah. Well, if you were to quantify just like in three major points, like when you're looking for a line or looking for people you want to work with, what are like three main things that you want to see happening with the line or uh, that they're doing right that you think that they're that relationship will work, that you can push them to the next level? I think um, outside of, of course, us sourcing the brand or looking at it based on the name, I I'll say that, but that won't be like one of my top three, but it's it's the first thing to, for me to even get to the top, top three, three, you know? Mm -hmm. But I think one of the things is um, the quality mm -hmm. of the collection and that it is a collection. I mean, and I do understand that, you know, I come from a background where, you know, merchandising and editing is what we do as stylists. And so you look at a collection and and when when actually merchandising a collection, you realize that for a lot of designers, they're artists. So sometimes they're designing things that they love that don't belong at the time and that might be better for something in the future. So as long as it's a, a collection that, can be edited and that is merchandisable. I think that's really important and that the designer has that skill set like season after season and that they understand about timelines. You know, like literally, like really understand about <laughs> timelines and that they understand about, um, you know, uh, this is not just an overnight thing. Like you have to be in it for the long haul. You know, like if if a designer doesn't really have three collections, I don't even really look at them. Mm, you know? Interesting. Yeah. So, so where does that new designer, you know, who doesn't have three collections, who's new on the scene, like... Who picks them up? Who scoops them up? Well, when you have three collections, you are still a nuclear designer. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> well, you, you do your own yeah. PR. Yeah. You do it all yeah. yourself. Yeah. I mean, I know from having a line, you do, right. it. Well, you you know, do it yourself. Well, you know, a lot of times I tell people, a lot of times who come to me and they say things, we're like, oh, yeah, well, we're looking for a publicist. And I talk to them, and I'm like, you know, you're really not ready for a publicist. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, you need to work on building the brand mm -hmm. first, building the visual aspect of the brand, making sure that the collection is really tight, making sure that your marketing collaterals are amazing. Mm -hmm. and 
and then you can talk about you know doing PR because if those things aren't in place, no PR can be done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Yes. Okay, I think it's time for one of our favorite segments. I know. Uh, hot or hot mess. We'll quickly get Let's through these. Roll through that Let's real roll quick through. this week. Okay, obviously lots of things have been going on this past weekend and into this week. Of course, Coachella wrapped itself up second weekend. We have Solange back on our little screen here, rocking a different outfit this time around. She is at Coachella wearing this printed suit. She's in the printed suit trend that we got going on. It's this Kate Spade Saturday Pebble print trapeze top and a side slit mini skirt and gold lock crossbody purse, which is huge right now, in a pale mauve. And she's also wearing yellow rim cat eye sunglasses along with yellow and silver open-toed loafers. Do we love it? Do we hate it? (laughs) You go first, but we have to... Wrap this up quickly. Okay. <laughs> really quickly. So um, I personally love it, and I'm going to tell you why. I don't even follow Coachella fashion because everybody looks the exact same. Yes. I I'm, I can't do denim cutoffs. I can't do, you know, floor crowns on the head. So to see something like this, I think it's refreshing, and it's cool, and I like it. And she looks absolutely summer chic to me. I think it's so cute. I love it. I think it's adorable. I love how she styled everything from the sunglasses to the shoes. I think it's... So cute. I love it. I adore it. I hate the shoes, but that's just because they're loafers and they're open toe, and that's weird to me. But I love the outfit, love the hair, love the glasses, think it's great. I'm with you. I love <laughs> I love everything but the shoes. Yeah, an open toed loafer it just It's just weird to me. It's hard and I for kept me to wrap my looking brain to be like, are those open toe? Are those open toe? And then I finally found someone, it's open toe. Yeah. Mm. All right, next up, we have the Kardashian ladies wandering around. The wedding is around the corner, guys, for Kim and Kanye. And this time, Kim has casualed it down a little bit because she's been wearing some interesting dresses so far. Right now, she's wearing this major thigh bear in distress pair of light blue denim jeans with a regular white shirt and a soft pink blazer and soft pink pumps. And we have her sister, Courtney, rocking a white blouse and a nice black leather pencil skirt with laser cutout detail at the hemline and black and white ankle strap pumps. Are they hot or are they not? Ooh, can't let me. I like boyfriend jeans and I like the ripped torn look, but this is just a bit much. I, I, much I don't for you. I don't like You're it. Not feeling the I don't, I'm not feeling it. Mm-mm. I'm not feeling it. I agree. I, I like, and you know, I, look, I like the Kardashians. Yes, and I like me some Kim Ye. I'll tell you that right now. Um, and those jeans are just a lot. <laughs> yeah, they are. Yeah, Courtney looks great though. Yeah, Courtney uh, looks great. I think she looks fantastic, and Kim would be great too. I just think that she needed to put on a different pair of jeans. Too much. I totally agree. Not a fan of the jeans at all on Kim. I love what Courtney's wearing. I'm a big fan of Courtney's style. I Mm -hmm. love I love how she dresses. Mm -hmm. I I, I, she always looks really put together and cute and kind of like a mother too. She's she's not sometimes I feel like Kim's always trying so hard, Mm -hmm. whereas Courtney still looks beautiful and Mm -hmm. like fresh. And she's not accessible. trying to inaccessible. And mm-hmm. I love Courtney's style, and I, mm-hmm. I love it here. So I'm going to deviate from the tam- the team, and I'm going to give Kim a hot, and this is why. Because Whoa. we've been seeing her running around in all these little fitted dresses and trying to show all the boobs and showing all the hips. And I- I'm glad to see her thighs, gosh darn it. I'm happy <laughs> for her. I'm okay with it. I'm excited about it. We're going to wrap it up with one last picture. For Style Watch this week, we had at Helpsy Heart on Instagram, you guys. I had to put it up there. The What Would Yonsei Do t-shirt is my favorite, and they are a um, non-disposable, well-made, eco-conscious materials, fair trade company right here in L.A. Grab some t-shirts online at Helpsy Heart, or sorry, shophelpsy.com. Uh, we want to thank our guest, Jeffrey Well, for joining us this week. Uh, thank you, Jeffrey. Thank you. Uh, thank we you will see me. you guys next Friday. Thanks for tuning in. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Uh, Jeffrey, go- Where can we find you on Twitter? 
Oh, you can find me on Twitter at the Style Doctor D R at T H E Style D R Doctor, and you can find us on Instagram at T F O P R, and find us on Facebook also at T F O P R slash The Fashion Office. From producers Maria Menounos, Dario Kristen, Tiana Hobson, Kevin Undergaro, and the entire BHL crew, we would like to thank you for supporting Black Hollywood Live, the first online broadcast network dedicated to African-American entertainment. For questions and comments, contact us at info at blackhollywoodlive.com. Like us on Facebook, tweet us, or Instagram us at BHL Online. And I'm your BHL announcer, Scipio. Instagram me at Planet Scipio. Thank you for tuning in. Hollywood Redefined. The views expressed here are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of BHL or its owners or principals.